big congratulations to the Astros. Yes, we needed it, didn't we? Uh, last night's game was very exciting. It was energetic, and the fans were up out of their seats at Minute Maid. It was absolutely amazing. And now, I'm not much of a baseball fan because the game, to me, seems to move a little bit too slow. And I've never been to a game that was as exciting as the one I saw on TV last night. And if you thought it was exciting at Minute Maid Park, you should have been at my house. Uh, the only reason I came down from my study to watch the game was because Yanni and my dad were screaming at the TV. And I discovered something that I thought that was quite amazing. Watching it can be a little bit traumatizing for me, but I did discover something that was amazing. And the reason I say traumatizing is that when I was about 10 years uh, old, uh, I got what they called a hotline when I was playing baseball. And that, I was up to bat, and what that means is the pitcher pitches, it misses my bat, or I miss it, and it hits me uh, in the stomach. So uh, that's called getting hotline. So after I was hotline, I decided I was going to chase the guy that pitched the ball around the baseball field <laughs> with the bat. And so that's why it's a little bit traumatizing for me to watch, and I don't watch it too much. But last night was a little different. Different because I was curious about what makes baseball teams different from each other. How does a team get to the World Series? I started paying attention to the pitcher and the balls they were throwing, and I said, Dad, they are throwing different types of pitches. And he said, son, they're not just out there throwing balls and hitting them. <laughs> he said, there is a philosophy and a psychology to the game. Mind blown. <laughs> Don't laugh at me, I was a varsity cheerleader and we only cheered at football <laughs> games and at a few baseball and volleyball games. So, back to baseball. So I totally went full geek on different types of pitches last night. From what I've learned so far, there are fastballs, there are breaking balls, and there's another category of pitches called the changeup. Now get this, the changeup is the staple off speed of the pitch. It's usually thrown to look like a fastball, but arriving much slower to the plate. It reduces its speed coupled with its deceptive delivery, and it is meant to confuse the batter's timing. It is meant to be thrown the same, the same as a fastball, but simply further back in the hand, which makes it release from the hand slower, but still retaining the look of a fastball. If it's thrown correctly, the changeup will confuse the batter because the human eye can't discern that the ball is coming significantly slower until around 30 feet from the plate. For example, a batter swings at the ball as if it was going 90 miles per hour, but it's actually coming at 70 miles per hour. This means he or she will swing too early to hit the ball well, making the changeup very effective. The most common changeups, because there's not just one, there's apparently several. There's the circle changeup, there's the fox, there's the palm ball, the straight change, the Vulcan changeup. I really want to see that one and the sand one. 
Isn't Wikipedia great? <laughs> I, I really fascinated me, and I, and I want to talk a little bit about the change-up. So in our gospel uh, reading today, Jesus is in the temple. And there are the Pharisees and the Herodians that are playing a game with him. They think that they're going to throw him a change-up ball in the form of a question. Remember, deceptive, thrown, speed, and you have to know the timing and how to respond. You heard Jim read it when they asked him, should they pay the tax or not? And Jesus says, whose head is this and whose title is this? Is it the, em the emperor's, they said. And then he said, give to the emperor the things that are the emperor's and to God the things that are God's. Now think of this scripture. Here's why it's a change-up ball. This whole thing is just really weird. You have the Pharisees that have joined up with the Herodians to go to Jesus to ask him this question. It's kind of a takedown kind of question. Now you think Pharisees and the Herodians, no big deal. No, this is like Maxine Waters and Donald Trump teaming up, folks. <laughs> They got together to go try to take down Jesus. The Pharisees are very keen on law and religion, and they are not happy about this poll tax that Rome is charging them. That's on the Pharisee side. The Herodians are followers of Herod, who is Rome's leader in Jerusalem. So these two have gone in together. The Greek says conspired together. Plot's not the best word, but conspired together to go to ask Jesus this question. So depending on how Jesus answers this particular question, it has serious consequences. If he says pay the taxes, he's going to become very unpopular with the Pharisees. If he says don't pay the tax, then the Herodians would consider it a form of sedition and rebellion. He could go directly to the cross right now in the Gospel of Matthew, resurrection next chapter, depending on how Jesus answers this particular question. The reason I say this is a change-up is because Jesus had an opportunity to say either no, don't pay, or yes, go ahead, and paint. Have you ever had someone ask you a question that you didn't know how to answer? Have you ever felt like you've been in a situation where it's, there's no better way to say this, it's damned if you do and damned if you don't? That is the situation in which Jesus found himself in this particular question. Life for us poses these same challenges. This question is an either or question. Jesus has to pick one or the other. Life gives us those same options. There really is no nuance. There is no in-between. It's either this or it is either that. We also have heard of fight or flight because we haven't evolved too much from it. It's either you stay and you fight or you run away from the problem. But really, maybe the answer isn't either this or that. Maybe it's not fight or flight. Maybe you stay and you listen and you learn and you discover. And so that is what Jesus does when he hits this particular ball out of the park, this change of ball. He really 
shocks them and they were amazed. He said, give unto God, which is God, and give unto Caesar, which is Caesar's. See, there's a heart of the matter here. It's really more about idolatry. When he asked whose head is on the coin, they said Caesar. Caesar's head was on the coin. That coin also said Imperius Augustus, son of God. This coin, this denarius that they pulled out, they pulled out this coin in the temple. They're in the Jerusalem, the Jewish temple, and they pull out this coin that has Caesar's head on it that says that Caesar, the emperor, is the son of God. In our tradition, dating all the way back to Jerusalem, there are to be no craven images before God. God is the only God. There are to be no other gods. That is in the first commandment. So the question becomes, why is this image in the temple? And why is it a Pharisee and a Herodian that is pulling out this image in the temple? And God just pretty much, Jesus just pretty much, much makes it plain. Y'all are worried about who to give the tax to and whose image is on the particular coin. And Jesus is just saying, you know what? It all belongs to God. I don't have to sit here and argue with you about this. There is a much deeper issue. If you have to ask me a question, about if you should pay taxes, then we already have a problem about where your particular priorities are. Now, wouldn't it have just have been easier, my friends, if Jesus would have said, no, you don't have to pay taxes? Then I can get up here today and tell you, the Bible says <laughs> you don't have to pay the tax. Everything belongs to God. I think a deeper question for us to consider today, the image of Caesar on, on the coin begs the question of where is the image of God today? Where do we find the image of God that we need to be more concerned with? In your newsletter this week, I sent out an affirmation. It said, created in the image of God, I am fearless and wonderfully made. You see, we may want to debate about paying the taxes or not paying the taxes. We may want to debate about, oh, how can you possibly be pro-Christian and pro-USA? We may want to debate about how is it possible for you to be a pastor and to be pro-military. But at the end of the day, the question that Jesus has posed to us is where is God's image? And if God's image is you, who Genesis says are created in the image of God, if God's image is you who are fearlessly and wonderfully made, then our questions, my friend, are going to be complex. They're not going to be either or or answers. 
You will have to exercise your Christian responsibility. You will have to take up your power in God, understanding that you are uniquely and divinely created in the image of God. So, do you pay the tax or no? That answer, that question between the either or, is it this or is it that? Are there any exceptions? Can there be any disagreement? Those answers are truly all up to you. They are change-up balls that are flying your way, finding you in life situations and circumstances, ceilings falling out of restrooms. <laughs> how you respond and how you answer is truly up to you because you are indeed created in the image of God. Maybe you have struck out after attempting to hit a change-up ball that life has thrown you. Maybe you have been sent to the dugout after making it to second base. Maybe you have hit a few home runs like Altuve. Whatever it is, you are not trapped by the complexities of life today. You are not stuck in a hopeless situation. There is indeed a way out. On God's team, nobody gets benched. Nobody gets traded. You always get another opportunity to swing at a change-up ball and knock it out of the park like Jesus did when he responded to his detractors. You are created in the image of God, fearless and wonderfully made. You bear the image of God. It doesn't matter whose image is on the quarter or the dollar bill or the $20 bill. It doesn't matter what the political hot button issues of are of this particular day. What matters is that you don't just put your hat on the hat rack and not think. As one created in the image of God, do your due diligence and make sure to always follow the greatest commandments. To love God with all of our heart and soul and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves. If you follow those two, you should be able to slow down and think for just a minute about that ball that's coming fast your way and knock it out of the park.